Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple, simple, simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of CNN the Chicken Nuggets Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Garcia. You can follow me and all of my work at Vita Viva Diva. It's been sparse lately on the gram, to be honest with you guys. You know, life is busy. It is a busy world out there. I am, just as an example of just how busy life can be, I am recording tonight's pod solo. Um... And an entire day late, yes. So, yeah, Riley and I are trying to figure out our schedules better because some of these games, you know, it's 1 a.m. out in Charlotte where she's at and tough to stay awake all the way until 1 a.m. So, you know, can't falter on that. I feel you. I can't hang either. Um, So... No worries. We're going to do today's pod without Riley. We will dearly miss her, of course, of course. Um, Tons of things I was hoping to get a chance to banter back and forth with Riley over, disagree about, I'm sure, um, as always. But it makes for a good show, right? And I love getting an opportunity to check in with her. And, you know, of course, we do agree on some things, like... LeBron's minute restriction. We probably would have laughed about that one. Uh, We'll get into all of the details. We decided to record a day late because of the play-in tournament schedule. We wanted to make sure that we had a full recap for you guys on our thoughts on that game. And um, one major feature was (laughs) Riley giving you kind of her her take on the Hornets loss to the Pacers in that playing game. I definitely had the Hornets uh, winning that game. To be honest with you guys, I thought the Hornets have been playing a lot better um, at the end of the season than, than Indiana um, on the one hand. And I, I think really more than anything, just their age kind of got to them because Indiana had a little bit more experience, playoff experience, and it seemed to show they really could not get a bucket to save their life. Um, learned a lot about <laughs> about the Charlotte Hornets, about their broadcast team. Um, you know what? And I watched that game on TNT Overtime. TNT Overtime straight up blows. If you are from TNT Overtime, you need to hire me so that I can help you because uh, your camera angles are whack. 
like bad. They literally, you're watching like one guy on the Hornets. You're either just watching LaMelo or your same thing on the other side of the ball, right? Like they'll highlight one one major player and if the ball's not in their hands, you're still watching them just run around, cut or not run around. It's it's not good. You guys, technology is advanced these days. It could be so much better, especially with the resources. So come on. It was it was a rough watch. Um, I had to watch in the mosaic setting. Please at me if you've ever used mosaic setting because that shit hurt my head. Like it's I can't. <laughs> I finally figured it out, but, um, yeah, I had to get on the treadmill to really be able to focus, and it was it was confusing to watch just all the different angles, but the Hornets could not seem to get the ball to fall to save their lives. Um, Sabonis played a good game. Um, actually, I was watching part of that game without my contacts in, and... Sabonis kind of looks like a young Pau Gasol, and I was hoping Riley would confirm this with me, that she could see it, but um, I haven't got to ask her what she thought about that, but he did. He kind of looked like a young Pau Gasol, like just the flock of hair, you know, and the way it curled, I guess, around his face, without contacts, okay? So imagine something very blurry. Kind of looked like Pau Gasol. I was like, wait a second, when did Pau go to the Pacers? Never mind figured it out. Put your contacts in before watching a game or wear your glasses. But I was running on the treadmill and trying to watch this game. So um, it really does help me concentrate. I don't know. Uh, weird game. Definitely did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Still like Devontae Graham after all of that. Then Boston faced, uh, went up against the Wizards. Again, I'm 0 for 2 in the East, to be honest with you guys. I definitely thought the Wizards were going to outplay Boston. Boston's missing some key players. The Wizards have been playing really fun basketball to watch, actually. One of the few games that I just randomly caught uh, towards the end of the season was a Wizards game, and they play at like such a fast pace. They're a fun team to watch, uh, even, even with Westbrook on the team. Still fun. Still fun to watch, I promise. Um, check them out. But I thought the Wizards would come out stronger against Boston. I I did not watch that game with like 100% of my uh, attention. Just not uh, able to work it into my schedule for the week. But uh, seemed like a pretty good matchup. And seemed like they gave them a good run for their money. But Boston really for the most part, handled that game. So now the Wizards will face the Pacers, so they'll still have another chance. I do think the Wizards will win that game, just like I think Golden State will win against Memphis in the West. So the West games happen tonight. That was part of our reason for recording this podcast at a little bit of a later time was we thought, you know, it would be important for Riley to get a chance to talk about her games in the East and, and how that panned out, what that meant for the Hornets organization as a whole. Um, shout out, though, to Riley's 
TikTok. Riley, don't think I haven't seen you on TikTok, girl. I see you have been posting a lot more often and a lot about Hornets content. Uh, so check that out. I'm pretty sure it's at Riley Biller, like all her other stuff. But if not, follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Riley Biller. That's how you'll get to her TikTok, I'm sure. But she was talking about LaMelo Ball and just where he's at at the moment with his wrist injury and how that was affecting him towards the end of the season. I was hoping to get her perspective on the Hornets season as a whole. Did she consider it a win that they had gotten this far? And she's not here to give us that perspective. But um, I'll say that I do think that it was a win for the Hornets just to be there especially after last season, you know, only having 23 wins, 42 losses. This season, they get 33 wins, 39 losses. Uh, improve a little bit. They finished fourth, of, uh, and last season they finished third, but they're playing at a faster pace. Their offensive rating improved from the last season as well as their defensive of rating improving. They seem to just be getting a little bit more comfortable with one another. And they put up a really good season. Looking ahead to the future in 2021, the 2021 draft, they do have a first-round pick. So that's hopeful for them. You know, they, they have a first-round pick. They made it to the play-in tournament this year. I, you know, not the postseason, not the playoffs, but that's an accomplishment. And you get a first-round pick. You also have a second-round pick from Brooklyn and a second-round pick from the Clippers uh, in this upcoming draft. So a real good chance to enhance your your uh, lineup there, get yourself a pretty good superstar in the first round, somebody who could really pan out, or at least a, a good role player. And then, of course, in that second round, unless you want to go for somebody already well-established within the league. So it's just interesting to look ahead, and I wish Riley was here to give us her perspective since she is now working within their organization and has a little bit of a little bit more information on them. But as far as the East goes, I'm 0 for 2. Because I thought that the Wizards were going to win that game against Boston, and I had the Hornets winning against the Pacers. It'll be the other way around. Pacers-Wizards will face off, and Boston moves on to face the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I am looking forward to that matchup, boston Versus the Nets. I hope the Nets roll through the Celtics. I think that'll be a really fun game game series to watch. And then, of course, out here in the West, now San Antonio is out. Memphis plays Golden State. I do think Golden State will get walk away with the win there, which is kind of crazy because somehow now Golden State could potentially face the Lakers again. Uh, at some point in the West, uh, I don't really know if it's exactly possible or how, but there's some sort of way that it is, and that's just crazy to think because I thought this was a play-in game, but they still are um, potentially could face off again. So 
Uh, it's not really like the same sort of elimination that the Spurs faced, but it was a great game. Uh, the Warriors come out strong. Steph almost turned me into a Steph Curry fan just by the way he was clowning the Lakers. He just, not like in his demeanor or anything, he just was like hitting everything. Uh, up until that first half, he even hits a buzzer beater to end the half. And he had a really nice drive to the basket, too, that I was like, nice, just because I that's how much I dislike the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> but the Lakers come out, put up a really good uh, defensive third quarter and offensive third quarter, end up outscoring Golden State in that third quarter 35 to 24 so that was big for for the Lakers and LeBron hits his minutes limit and of course LeBron's not gonna sit out right um actually I don't know in the moment I kind of thought LeBron would sit out if his team had been able to do it without him and I think he genuinely did not believe they could do it without him because he had to go back out there and get poked in the eye and do all these sorts of things so um I don't think he thought they could do it without him it was too close of a game the Warriors probably could have won this game should have won this game uh had they not come out so flat in the third but um it was also a really good defensive effort from L.A. That's one thing they do do pretty well, I guess, if I have to say something honest about them. Um, but you know that's hard. You know that is hard for me, right? Everyone knows that. So <laughs> the fourth gets a little bit difficult to watch if you're a Nuggets fan. I think a lot of people, at least on my Twitter timeline, again probably a certain group of people since I mostly follow and hang out with or also listen to Nuggets fans. But I, I mean, there are a lot of followers. My Twitter feed is full of Nuggets fans. I know that. So I know that it's hard for all of us to watch the amount of calls the Lakers get, man. And I, I don't know if other franchises, other teams, fans feel, feel that way as much as I do. But I know Riley was saying last week that it seems like that's happening more and more uh, as time goes on, and she's noticing more people out east even being anti-LeBron. And it's not its not so much anti-LeBron for me, it's anti-the Lakers. <laughs> and I think for most Nuggets fans, it's anti-the Lakers because they literally just get every call they want, and then all of a sudden, they didn't. It was like LeBron was had a concussion and woke up in a different universe because he goes up for goes up with the ball and Draymond fouls him and in the moment of the game and in those replays of the game during the game I was like it didn't look flagrant to me then I saw a still photo of it on Twitter and it looked more flagrant to me. And maybe it was just LeBron's reaction, to be honest with you. Like, he really was theatrical after that. And look, I get it. If he was poked in the eye, that shit hurts. That's totally fair. Fine. 
but he like it was just very like extreme movement I don't know and Anthony Davis he's Anthony Davis he's always acting like smaller people than him can throw him across the court like he's light or something like he's just or even like a, a size that's normal to be able to throw like fling he's just he's too big to be flying across the court the way that he does or claims that other people you know hit him and then he does but there was a lot of theatrics in this game uh from a lot of different players even i don't think golden state is totally out of that but i gotta tell you guys i loved watching juan toscano anderson obviously he is mexican-american and uh and i believe black and he but i mean he's repping for like mexico you know it was cool to see him play especially after signing his his deal uh, he signed it the day I arrived in Oakland, actually, last week. So that was kind of cool to be there. I did get to see Kendra and talk to her about it. And she said he's actually genuinely, like, a really great guy and just totally deserves everything that he's uh, kind of getting this year, a hard worker and a, a good story, right? A feel-good story of in the NBA. So not that you don't get those often, but you don't get them maybe all the time and so that's a nice thing to hear but also fun to watch him play he's playing great and um and I thought the Warriors had this one I really did and then LeBron goes in he gets this foul he is theatrical about the fall looks genuinely like it hurts his eye kind of gets puffy doesn't seem like he can see out of his eye he keeps blinking they're doing like, you know, protocols for concussion protocol on him and checking him. And I'm not like, I'm not saying that he wasn't hurt. He looked like he, he got hurt or whatever. I do not or whatever. I feel bad for him if he's, if he genuinely is hurt. It's not that I don't lack empathy for him. It was just like the way he reacted to the fall. And it seemed like he really wanted wanted the officials to know that he was injured and that they should check that out. And he thinks he's going to get the flagrant foul. All of us think he's going to get the flagrant foul call. We all have literally like lived this before. And thank goodness for once in their lives, the refs do not decide an important game by making a terrible call like that. So they don't give it to LeBron. And he's literally, of course, I'm sure everyone's by now has seen the meme that's going around of him, you know, sitting up with his eyes teary-eyed. But I was just thinking he looked around blinking like he couldn't tell what universe he was in because he always gets that call. He's LeBron James. Like, I was shocked he didn't get that call. I think the world, LeBron was shocked. He did not think he woke up here. But uh, the Space Jam, <laughs> recording Space Jam and everything must be serving him well because he did play a very very injured player and blinking and everything like he can't see his eye starts swelling up so I don't think that's act right like you can't just act like your eye swelling up your his eye physically looked like it's swollen look it looked swollen um by the end of the game post-game interviews it looked worse um but he goes out there and hits 
this crazy deep three uh, <laughs> that like a three that Steph would hit, but you know, also he was just blind a second ago. Like he was literally a hundred percent blind. <laughs> he couldn't even hit a free throw. Right. And after the game, he says, Oh, he saw, he was seeing three rims and all he could see was the shot clock, which is weird, right? Fluorescent lights looked clearer to him than the, the rim. Seems odd to me, but he said he heard, he saw three rims, aimed for the middle one, and made it. And, of course, they win. 103 to 100. Golden State's not out of it, of course. Like I said, they will go ahead and face uh, Memphis, and the winner of that game will face the Jazz. I wasn't sure pregame how I felt about it. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted the Lakers to lose and have to the tougher road in the sense of more games, having to play an extra game against Memphis and then go into a series against Utah, who does match up all right with the Lakers. Um, they've played very well against them this season. And, you know, they have Rudy Gobert, another big guy who can play against and defend, as well as Anthony Davis and and take that that matchup on kind of with a healthy Donovan Mitchell. Maybe it's still a competitive series, but you always are going to think that the Lakers come out on top of that series. So I was debating, do I want them to go to, uh, to Utah just to, to beat Utah, but have that extra game that fatigues them, or did I, do I want them to win against Golden State and face the Suns in the first round because I do think the Suns are a team that could potentially beat the Lakers. Um, I love the way that the Suns have been playing. I love the storylines in this matchup. You know, Chris Paul, bestie, LeBron's bestie, having to go up against him. Um, I'm sure there'll be some acting and animosity and uh, I'm sure it'll be a great series. So I was kind of like, do I think they should go up against Utah, potentially be more fatigued and more tired for a later series, probably still beat Utah, or do I want them to go up against the Suns, a team who I think could potentially stop the Lakers? Um, they're going against the Suns, and I guess I, that made me feel better. Or I was okay with that outcome. Like I thought, okay, good that'll be tough. So I'm still, I'm excited at least for the series. I think it will be good. I still think it can be potentially tougher than the Utah series because I don't know that Utah takes them to seven games where I think the Suns could. So we'll see, but LeBron wins again and I continue to bet against him and everyone keeps laughing at me. So he keeps making a fool out of me, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So and pretty much everyone on my entire social media has watched it happen multiple times. But I just always see potential for an opportunity to strike, right? Like, Steph Curry could have won this game. It was one basket away from overtime. You get that ball in Steph's hands in those final seconds, 
it's a done deal. You're going to OT. So I don't know. But LeBron wins again against me, at least. Oh, God, it's frustrating. It is so, so frustrating. <laughs> I don't know if there's somebody out there who is, gets as much as frustrated by the Lakers as I do. But if you're out there, let me know because Lord knows it is frustrating out here. Um, I could not believe some of the calls they did get, uh, but I am glad that the referees did not make that final call. (laughs) All jokes aside about LeBron, you know, I hope he is okay, but he did look like he wasn't sure (laughs) what universe he woke up in because that call goes in his favor time and time again like there was even a call earlier in the game that was a no call and it had a lot of contact on Jordan Poole when his on his dunk he did not get called for a foul on that there definitely should have been a foul called and there wasn't because he's LeBron James so you know he he woke up in a different universe there for a second but then everything corrected itself itself when he hit that big shot so He's still LeBron in every universe, I suppose. (laughs) But now the most important topic, at least for this podcast, because we are a Nuggets podcast and as much fun as we've had watching all these other games, um, these playing games have been really fun and and really have been electric. You know, I think a lot more people are on board with them. Um, I do, I will say, I think it was pretty funny, you know, like, People always say that LeBron has a lot of power, and I do believe that. I think he does carry a lot of weight in this league just because he is such a superstar, of course. He makes them a lot of money, so they should keep him happy so that he continues to make them money. And this was kind of one of those moments where, I mean, I don't know how deep you believe in the conspiracy that like games are rigged and all that in the NBA, but most people... Most NBA fans don't really believe that, but I was surprised to see, you know, LeBron said he hated, didn't want to play in the play-in tournament, thought it was stupid, fire the guy who created it, and instead of firing the guy, well, I don't know if they fired him or not, but, but instead their response is to make LeBron play in the playing game. Like, that's pretty funny. So they make him play in it so that the most amount of people ever, like this was a game I literally had my eyes glued to the TV. I wanted to watch every possession. So, and it was fun, start to finish. So, um, (laughs) they make him, they made him work, work for him, for them again, I guess, in a way. So I do think that that's a little ironic or, you know, interesting how that worked out. Uh, while he has a lot of power, I guess he doesn't have as much as I thought he did. But I couldn't imagine him ever having to participate in a play-in game. Um, unless, of course, he made them a lot of money and therefore he made a lot of money. I don't know. It's probably always a
Welcome back to the Chicken Nuggets podcast on Denver Stiffs Network. Thanks for listening, guys, and and, uh, checking out the pod. I know we've talked a lot about this play-in tournament and um, had a lot of fun watching the games, honestly. I think it's been a a fun idea. Uh, The NBA a little bit, they do... (laughs) I mean, I know, right? Like, we all know that anything you say, any ideas you have, like, don't say them out loud because somebody's listening probably through the phone or through some sort of device that's being... I mean, again... How much do you believe in that? But um, I swear there's some way, like the NBA has taken almost every suggestion that I have made over the course of the last several years of the podcast and just posting my opinions on social media about things they should try. They seem to be listening because all of my ideas have have been done at some point. So... I love that they tried it. I definitely have said in the past that I wish that the NBA had a little bit of a March Madness feel to it, a one-and-done situation. I don't think it hurt anybody to have the 9-10 seed play, although had it been my team, maybe I would have felt differently, right? Because uh, they're very fatigued, they're injured, um, need the rest. And I'm sure a lot of teams needed that rest as well. So, But luckily, that's not the situation the Denver Nuggets are in. You know, the Nuggets are resting this week. Uh, Thank goodness they need the rest. They absolutely need the rest, you know, especially Monte Morris and some of those guys who are just coming back from injury. Although Monte told us today that he's fine. His body is fine. So... The schedule is game one in Denver on Saturday, game two in Denver on Monday. Then they go to Portland for games three and four. Those will be Thursday and Saturday of the following week. Um, So one, my birthday week just got a lot better. (laughs) lots of Nuggets games. Uh, Nuggets, Blazers, those are the first four games in the series, obviously. The others are tentative based on how those first four games pan out. I'm sure Portland will get a win uh, against Denver. I don't know um, if or how. Um, Just because I think it'll be interesting to look at how... Portland, kind of both of these teams, right? They know each other really well. So how do they combat that? And what do they do? Do they throw in some new schemes? Do they, you know, run something different? Or do they stick to what they always, uh, what they're good at? What always has worked in the past against these teams? Um, They're not the same teams that they were in 2019, uh, that was a really fun season though. And that was actually my first season covering the Nuggets. I did get a chance to go to Portland and cover the four overtime game in Portland. Jokic played like 62 minutes. It was crazy. Um, this game was epic. Like 
crazy, you guys. Um, the final score, 137 to 140. Nikola Jokic plays 64 minutes and 58 seconds. I specifically remember this postgame. Um, I was standing to the left of the stage and see weird right because I'm actually in person actually after this game is when I met Rachel Nichols for the first time she is lovely and much shorter than you would think but um Portland has some awesome post-game snacks like they offer beer to their media people they offer like a cheese platter and they had some fondue and like fruits and stuff they were fancy um very fancy food options at dinner as well Really need to up our game out here in Denver. Gotta say. But this was an incredible game. Um, I specifically remember remember post-game uh, sitting, standing there to the left of the, of the stage and I was waiting for access to the Nuggets locker room, worried that I would be one of the last people in there and then not be able to see and then have my arm go numb as I was trying to get video. Um, and... Gosh, was it CJ McCollum or it might have been Mo Harkless who they asked one of them after the game. They were looking at the, it was Mo and they were looking, he was looking at the box score and kind of just reading through it. And they asked him, what are you noticing on the box score? And he was like, 64 58. Like, that's an crazy number of minutes. And uh, I think all of them really recognized that. But this is part of what I was always I was kind of saying to Riley even going back to that postseason, right? Like they have played some of the most games. I think Michael Malone mentioned this today in his press conference as well, that they've they have played the most playoff games in the last three years. So uh, the Nuggets have been busy. They have been playing a lot of games, but wow, this team is different, right? Because that four-overtime game started with Torrey Craig on the floor and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. Not too different there, but their bench did have Malik Beasley and Isaiah Thomas on it at the time. So it was a different time. These are different teams. Um... But man, that game was epic. Oh, that was such a good game. I cannot believe I was there. One of the best sports moments of my life. An amazing game from Nikola Jokic, an amazing series, just in general. They had taken the Spurs to seven games, right, and won. Win the first game against Portland in Denver. Lose the second game against Portland in Denver. Win, uh, lose the third game, that was that four-overtime game, and then win the fourth game in Portland that I was also present for. So it was cool to get a chance to cover in in Portland, in a different city, and experience that. The Nuggets come back to Denver for the final three games. It goes to seven again. They win game let me see, one, two, three, four, five. They win game five and then lose the last two games, and it's just heartbreaking, crushing. We were devastated, right? 
this series and matchup, not just because of the recent matchup that they had in that moment uh, in 2019, but but also because there's a lot of connections between these two teams. Will Barton came from Portland. Nurkic came went from Denver to Portland when in the Mason Plumley deal when um, they decided that Jokic was going to be the future of this team, not Yusuf Nurkic. Also, um, in that series in 2019, Nurkic totally trolled Jokic with a shirt about like the Bosnian War or something. Like this isn't just the mere fact that these guys are obviously have a history of competition when they're on the same team, when they're on opposite teams in the playoffs, in the regular season. But they also like their history, right? Their family history going back to Bosnia, Serbia, and a bunch of political stuff and that I don't know enough about to comment on happened. And and so there is a little bit of that underlying layer. I truly believe that these guys, like, of course, like, love each other, you know. I think Jokic has made, like, a real effort. He always, there has been a couple times you've seen Nurkic has left Jokic hanging on the high five, like, post-game or something. Like, Jokic is trying to be nice. And Jokic will high five himself and, and move right along. But um, it seems like it's gotten a little bit better. I think it'll intensify in the playoffs. And it's not going to be the same. Every time I think about the playoffs, it's just like it's there's a little bit of a damper because it's not going to be the same without Jamal out there. It's just not. It's not. Um, totally different series if Jamal's out there for the Nuggets. But they do not seem uh, worried about it. Um, in the last series, there was just so much stuff that happened in that 2019. Like, Ennis Cantor was complaining, like, that he was getting beat up down underneath, and, like, yet Jokic's arms are the ones that are bloody and cut up. And he, Ennis Cantor's, like, posting himself laying on a, a table, getting treatment and stuff. And, and then, like, uh, Michael Porter Jr., they thought Michael Porter Jr. flipped off, um some of the guys on Portland and Dame posted it on his Instagram and stuff. And MPJ said today, you know, he didn't mean to do that on purpose. He didn't even know if he thought it was from holding up three from, you know, when the team hit a three and that it just looked like his, like, like that on the way down. He admitted it looks like it, but he didn't really, he was like, I don't know. I don't know why that I would ever do that. So, um, he said he didn't do it on purpose, but there's just so many storylines, and probably the best one of all, the Mello storyline, right? Mello now in Portland after leaving Denver. Most fans didn't like the way he left. Most fans can't forgive him for the way he left. Um, and when asked, when I asked him last year about retiring his jersey in Denver after he had commented on retiring it in New York, which, like, you can't retire it everywhere, Mello. You gotta know that. You can't You can't just retire it everywhere you want. It can't be retired in New York. If you want to be retired in New York, then you can't be retired here in Denver. And really, it can't be retired because Jokic wears 15 now, and 
he's about to win MVP. Something that I cannot believe it, right? Like, I would have thought, hands down, would have thought Melo would be the first Nugget to win MVP. Never would I have thought it's going to be Nikola Jokic. And I really actually think he's going to win it. I am less worried about it and yet still need to scream to the rooftops that it's him because I swear some people are still not convinced. Although Steph's uh, buzzer beater, you know, I don't think that that should count part of the regular season, right? Like, that shouldn't count. (laughs) Uh, But it did. It was a nice shot. It was at halftime. It wasn't at the end of the game. So, um, Jokic is the first MVP for the Nuggets. I'm shocked. But Melo has not won a game in the city of Denver since the trade, since he left in 2010. So, Pretty crazy. Now, I will say, okay, he hasn't won in the city of Denver. That doesn't mean that he hasn't beat the Nuggets. Um, Melo has won with the Knicks in New York. When the, when the Nuggets would go to New York, he'd beat them in New, in New York City, just not in Denver. And when he was with Houston, Houston won against the Nuggets in Denver in 2018, but he was inactive at that time, and he did not travel with the team. Uh, interestingly enough, then he goes to play with Portland in 2020, and Portland does beat Denver when they were technically the home team, but that was a game in Orlando <laughs> during the bubble. So, technicalities, right? <laughs> Melo still has not won a game in the city of Denver. A playoff series that involves Carmelo Anthony against the Denver Nuggets could really ruin that streak. That's amazing, an amazing streak. We don't want to ruin that streak. Like, the city of Denver's been haunting him a little bit. And, um, of course, the, the Blazers finished out their season kind of on a bit of a high compared to where Denver did and literally against Denver with that win in the final game, but uh, they're also far more healthy than Denver is. More of their players are available, all of their superstars. So it's going to be a very interesting game, I think. uh, I mean, a very interesting series. I do think that Michael Porter Jr. will step up. But either way, as Michael Malone said, it's great for him to have the opportunity to learn and to play in a playoff series like this and against some of the greatest shooters, um, a really scary backcourt in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You love the Blazers, you hate the Blazers. Ironically, if if Riley were here, she'd probably say something like, uh, didn't you think the Blazers and the Nuggets were the same? And I would say, yeah, I did. I thought they were about the playing at about the same level. And go figure, in the first round, they're playing against each other. So we'll get a real chance to, to test that if they are playing at the same level or not. Obviously, if Jamal Murray was here, this would be a different series. I'd say no way. They're definitely not playing at the same level because they weren't, right? In those five or I think it was something sad like that, like five or six games that the Nuggets actually got to play with Jamal Murray 
and Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. all on the floor at the same time. Only like four or five games. God. Like, we just can't win. We just, we, they don't want us to have nice things. Why? It's so sad. But Nikola Jokic is our savior and he'll probably save us once again. My faith is in him in this series and I cannot wait to celebrate his MVP Whew. when he does win it because I know he's going to win it. You guys better believe he's going to win it. Otherwise, it won't happen. So um, I will be back with another episode later this week and check it out on the Chicken Nuggets Grill. Thank you guys. Bye.